Welcome to episode two of the Grassroots Government Podcast. I'm Avery Davidson. Uh, right now we've got a just a, a skeleton crew, and it's not because of COVID-19. It's because Carl Wiggers decided that he was going to go on vacation and spend a little time with his wife, Brittany. And then Andy Brown, who's our National Affairs Coordinator, I spoke with him on the phone a little while ago. He says... Well, there's not a whole lot going on national affairs-wise. So with me is Louisiana Farm Bureau Legislative Specialist Joe Mapes. Joe, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing fantastic, Avery. Thank you. How about yourself? I am doing well. You know, I've um, got a little bit of dry hands because I've been washing them so much and putting on that hand sanitizer. It's like I go with hand sanitizer, then lotion, then I end up washing the lotion off again. It's like, well, it's, it's a vicious cycle, so... Uh, I'm going to end up needing, what's that stuff that like supposed to heal your hands? It's like badger cream or something? Oh, I think it might be CBD cream, Avery. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I'm more worried about getting THC cream. But anyway, um, obviously we're talking about COVID-19, and it is not something to joke about because, you know, there are people who are getting sick and people who have uh, compromised immune systems. I'm I'm worried about my mother. My mother is in her 70s, so... That's the kind of person who is going to be more susceptible to it. Uh, as we're recording this, we just learned that there are 33 confirmed cases in Louisiana of COVID-19, and uh, a lot of things are being canceled. Uh, but the legislative session goes on. Joe, you've been there all week. Tell me what the mood is there with COVID-19. The mood has been... Uh Everybody's been upbeat and positive, but as the shutdowns of the different leagues and you know companies and everything across the country is occurring, then you I can I can see the mood changing. Uh, I can I can feel that we're all wanting to go home. That's not a a, a well ventilated building. Uh, you get caught in groups of people in areas of that building very quickly, going around the corner. Um, there's no reason. That we need to be there. We we have a constitutional mandate to have a balanced budget by June 30th. We can do that with a few more meetings of the finance and appropriations committees. Uh, cancel everything else and go home and come back in an emergency session, Avery. So, how many bills filed, and how many do you think uh, we need to have passed? You know, that's an excellent question. By my estimate, you know, you can file pre-file bills, and then each. Uh, legislator can file X amount after that. So uh, after they're all filed, I'm thinking somewhere around 2,000 bills, give or take. And I think out of those 2,000 bills, Avery, we can live without any of them, quite frankly. <laughs> I think it would be just fine. And I know that some people might take exception to that, but guess what? We'll still be here alive and thriving uh, in a new way of dealing with government, it looks like, too, electronically. And you know, we talked about this a little bit before the last uh, episode and a little bit in it. We're not in a huge budget crisis. We are in a little bit of a phone crisis with uh, with your phone going off, <laughs> the life of a lobbyist. But uh, we're not in as much of a budget crisis as we've been in before. This might be the first session uh, since John Bell Edwards was elected, so we're you know, this is his fifth session, right? Right, and we were coming, we are coming in with a surplus, and it, and you can sense that in the attitude. It was so much nicer coming in to a session, uh, especially with a new group of legislators. Fifty-three out of one hundred and four are all brand new legislators. 
yes, it was a breath of fresh air coming in, knowing that we weren't working towards a deficit. We came in uh, in sessions just a few years ago where we had multiple sessions in one year and failed budgets and you know, two or three of those sessions. And to go into another session after you had come out of a failed one, the, the, the frustration and uh, just bad attitudes that everybody had were carried over from one to the other. So it was nice to see that, that we have a surplus and, and hopefully we'll be able to work together between the two parties and, you know, disseminate that money fairly and equitably across the state. And that should also grease the wheels in terms of if, if this has to be an accelerated session, if folks are having to go home because of the, the fear of COVID-19, that should make it a lot easier to pass a balanced budget, don't you think? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we're not going to have as many people going to the Capitol, I can promise you that, even though the meetings, by law, they have to be, you know, open to the public, so they will be open to the public. But I'll bet there's going to be a lot less of the public that wants to be there, which uh, brings me back to where I think we're headed. I know we're headed for an electronic uh, legislature this year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder how much of an effect it'll have in, in legislatures going forward, because you know what, I bet you save a lot of money doing something like this electronically. Well, I know that you can watch from home. You just go to legis.state.la.us. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes and you can watch all of the committee hearings at your house. They, they're all videoed and, and televised, if you will. I say televised. They're I mean. archived, too. Yeah. So yeah, you, you can watch live. You could watch the Senate floor and the House floor live at the same time, mute one of them on the sound, but you've got, you know, actions, written actions on each screen, so you can monitor what's happening in both houses at the same time, and certainly you can monitor any committee hearing. Uh, so it's really nice for us because this type of technology allows us to get to, to not have to be you know, in every place at the same time, like not have to be in committee physically. We could maybe be texting some of the committee members that are on it if we're watching them, you know, on a computer or on a TV back at the office or something. We could be texting them or calling them and still be working with them on committee. Now, you talk about working with the, the legislators. You've, you've been there for a week now, one week down, uh, many more to go, possibly. What's been done? What have you been working with uh, our our legislators on? Well, we took off uh, running uh, the second day, March 10th. The session began on March 9th. On March 10th, uh, Chairman Stuart Cathy, Senate Agriculture Chair, called a meeting uh, with us, Farm Bureau and the state police, and another couple of other representatives, Jack McFarland, House uh, Ag Committee Chair in the House, and we talked about uh, over-ticketing by the state police towards our farmers, and then we actually singled out one or two areas of the state and uh, just had some conversation about we need some relief as far as, you know, what we're doing for a living on a daily basis, especially during harvest season. It's not like we're out of town, you know, violators that are coming by transiently. We need uh, state police to work with us locally and show some discretion and our contention is that state police is not showing enough discretion across the state. Now, I will tell you that we met with the colonel and his and the major, uh, majors in charge of the rank and file. <clears throat> and uh, long story short, Avery, uh, we were given the major's cell phone number and told that any time that we have a file number or multiple file numbers about a situation, like if we feel like a particular trooper is giving is over ticketing in an area then if we come up with say if a driver was given three tickets in one week 
which I was just told by one of our executive committee board members this morning, that is the case in his area over in Avoyles Parish or something. And if that happens, then we need to know about it and we'll turn in those file numbers and, 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 and see if state police will work with us. They say that they, they will. And yeah, we, well, let's be clear about this. These are, are people who, uh, one, are not intentionally breaking any rules or laws, who are being stopped not necessarily because they have a taillight that's hanging off or, you know, something like that. Yeah, right. There's a piece of legislation in this session to deal with it right now. Uh, Philip DeVillier filed a bill, says you got to have probable cause before you pull them over. So the taillight should be dangling or it should not be working. You shouldn't be able to pull them over just because you think the load's heavy and then ticket them top to bottom, front to back, side to side for every little thing that you can. And that is happening out there, um, you know, and it needs to stop. And I can tell you that there's a lot of legislators. I mean, we have a lot of members. And like, a, like we told the colonel when we were in that meeting, Ronnie Anderson, Kyle McCann, uh, Sandy Mapes and I, we didn't choose this issue to sit down with these legislators and the colonel of the state police. Our members chose it. And they keep calling us and they keep calling us and they keep calling us. Now we supposedly have a resolution. Jack McFarland was given this telephone number because he has a logging company. And he, in that meeting, told all of us that it has been helpful to him and his situation up there. But it hasn't stopped the ticketing. So, uh, you know, they say they're just doing their job, and we say uh, we we look forward to working with them. Well, and that's part of what I think is is great about this organization is this is literally a an issue that's coming from the grassroots and making it all the way up to you and the colonel of state police. I mean, someone who can actually do something about it. That's right, and 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 you know these state policemen and sheriffs and all your local law enforcement, they're members of the community. And I know state police, they told us the other day that they move these guys around regionally a whole bunch, but we got a guy in northwest Louisiana that's been there a long time, okay? That guy should know his friends. He should know his community members. That guy, I'm not sure he's got too many friends up there, but he's got community members that he rubs elbows with every day. And he should know a little bit about who they are and what they do for a living, and he should apply that in his discretion rather than pull them over and make their day or their work week miserable and more costly and slow down commerce and slow down the production of food. And let's also put a little perspective here, Joe. Uh, you were at one time in law enforcement. That's correct. And I brought that up the other day because the major was saying that they just are enforcing their policy. What would you have us do? Would you have us break the law and not enforce the policy? And, and that's when I interrupted and I said, excuse me for interrupting, but I'm a former decorated law enforcement officer myself. And I always used subjectivity. I always, when I applied the law, I always used uh, discretion. And that's, what it, that's all we're suggesting that you do is use some discretion. And it doesn't seem like one or two troopers in different sections of the state are using any discretion. They're just enforcing the law. And quite frankly, that's not how life works. So we've got to have a little flexibility in everything, a little gray area, and uh, to make it work, because you've got a lot of different people and a lot of different situations in there. And I know that cops get lied to a whole bunch, because I used to be one. But So do lobbyists, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm made for that. I'm made for that, Avery. Lied to me. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, let's move on from uh, from that issue to uh, some of the tort reform issues. Have has any of that come up yet in committee? Uh, has there been much movement on any of the bills that that Farm Bureau is really watching right now? I, I can tell you the biggest movement is that uh, lobby is heading up. Louisiana Association of Business and Industry is heading up the tort reform coalition. So that's a group of probably fifty different associations, corporations. Uh, so that brings about 50 different lobbyists to the table. So we were in the room at lobby headquarters last week, and, and Stephen Wagesback, the president of lobby, was laying out things for us and what the plan is. And looks like what we're going for as a team, as a coalition, is a reduced jury threshold and then a reform of the collateral source system and then uh, – are, are you know willing to consider a redu- uh, an increase in the prescriptive period, which may, let me be clear, that's not for us. That would be for the other side, but uh, that's what uh, we seem to be working on as a negotiation right now, Avery. Yeah, but isn't that what negotiation is all about? What compromise is? Not everybody's going to get what they want, and that's a lot of what I think our framers had in mind early on. You know, I, uh, I go back to my old reporting days. Uh, the way I determine if I did a good job on a story, if both sides were happy, okay, I did a good job on the story. If both sides were angry with me and thought I did a, a poor job on that story, I did my job because I did it a- equally. It's when one side was happy and the other side wasn't that I would go back and I'd look, what did I do wrong in this story? And I think it's the same thing whenever you're trying to, to put together legislation. Either you got to have both sides happy or maybe both sides upset. <laughs> well, they say the sign of a good, you're right, you're exactly right. They say the sign of a good ne- negotiation is that neither side is happy, okay? And in this situation, uh, there's a lot of big issues, a lot of big money involved here. So, you know, you've got one side, which is the uh, business you know, re- business uh, group, and then you've got another side, which is the trial lawyers, and then the governor seems to be on that side. I would suggest to the governor, as I did to him, in the governor's mansion uh, two weeks, three weeks after he was elected, that he embrace this issue and work with the Republicans. Call it his own if you want, but just embrace it. Let's deal with it. Let's let's put this down as part of your legacy, Governor. Uh, this is something that, that, that Louisiana needs and wants in the business community. Um, we're working forward towards that. Now, I'm not sure how it'll work out. Uh, Avery, you've got an omnibus bill. It's the same one that was filed last year, automobile Omnibus Automobile Insurance Reduction Act. It's got a whole lot of the issues all in one bill. Is that HB9? No, this would be a Senate bill. I don't know the Senate number bill. right now. It's okay. a Senate bill by Kirk Talbot, Senator Kirk Talbot. He had the House bill. This version of the House bill when he was in the House last year, now he's Senate uh, Insurance Committee Chairman, and he's brought the same bill over there. Gotcha. Uh, that's the bill that Lobby is pushing. Uh, what Stephen Wagesback told us the other day, is that uh, the coalition is going for a reduction from five fifty thousand to five thousand, and that if 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 the if the language is any higher than five thousand in the bill, then he said the coalition is going to oppose the bill. Now to put that in perspective, we're the only state in the union to have such a high jury threshold. Most states have zero. Mm-hmm. There's about thirteen or fourteen that have a jury threshold, and they range anywhere from five to fifteen thousand, with the highest being fifteen thousand which puts them 243% lower than Louisiana. And those systems with zero jury thresholds and with these other lower jury thresholds, they're all working, and ours is not. So we want to head in that direction, Avery. Yeah, always learn from someone else who's doing something well. Right. Uh, you know, you, you, no one has to reinvent the wheel. So 
for you as a lobbyist, for you who is educating legislators about the issues and where our members stand on that, when you have another large group like Lobby who has a very influential head in Stephen Wagaspak, does that help or hinder you whenever you're trying to, to work on these issues? Well, Avery, I was taught as a very young lobbyist to paddle my own canoe, okay? So I, as a lobbyist for the Farm Bureau Federation, have an obligation to the Farm Bureau Federation, okay? It's not to that coalition. So I can't come back in if we lost to the board one day with my tail tucked in between my legs and say, hey, we lost, but is it okay? Because it's not really my fault. I was part of a coalition. No, the board's not going to be okay with that, all right? So we are pursuing this issue. We didn't form it. We didn't draft the legislation. We didn't choose the author. Okay, we did, we're, but we're pursuing this with the group aggressively. And, but I will tell you that there's other legislators with pieces of legislation that break that omnibus bill up into different parts. There's one on just uh, increasing the, uh, limp, uh, the prescriptive period. There's one in reducing the jury threshold. There's one on collateral source. And there's multiple legislators that have filed multiple independent bills. So um, we'll see. Well, I know it's going to be a... A, a, an interesting time there at the, the state capitol. Um, do you, and I'm going to go back to the, the COVID-19 issue, do you think that they're going to pull the plug on it at some point? Yes, I do. I think it'd be relatively soon. How soon? I think uh, today's Friday. Uh, I, you know, I think they'll be giving it hard consideration over the weekend. I, I'm just predicting just from being around there, something will be announced next at the beginning of next week, if not sooner. And I want to make something very clear to our listeners right now. Um, Joe and I are a minimum of six feet apart away from one another. He's kept his hands in his pockets the entire time. We both hit with a, a little bit of uh, hand sanitizer before we came in here. And uh, But I think we're, we're both going to be relatively safe. I mean... I, the, I, I figure I've already been inoculated. I've got a four-year-old who, who sneezed right. in my mouth. So, right. <laughs> Well, you know, and there, 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 is some, there are some silver linings here or there. You know, I was, before I came over this morning, Sandy and I were at Gold's Gym in Prairieville. I'm getting much better workouts because, number one, there's nobody there, so I got all the machines to myself. And number two, I can't lean on the machines because, uh, you know, they got, might have the coronavirus all over, so I'm standing straight up. It makes it ten times harder, Avery. So there's a silver lining in every cra- class. There is a silver lining. Well, if you like what you're hearing here, uh, please subscribe to this uh, this podcast and make sure to look, you know, wherever you normally listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this from the email that we uh, we send out every week, the Grassroots Government e-newsletter, subscribe to that as well, because that's going to have this podcast, a list of all the bills we're tracking, a way to click and read the text on each of those bills. And plus, we include a, a few news headlines from across the state so that you know what's going on at the legislature. This is the really the best way. And please, shoot us an email. Send us a text message. Uh, respond to the, the grassroots government e-newsletter. Uh, you can just hit reply, and it'll come to me. It'll come straight to David Davidson. Give us a topic that you want us to discuss. Yeah, because you know? we can pontificate about anything. Anything, because <laughs> we looked that word up earlier today. <laughs> we used one of them 25-cent words. So, you know, just keep in mind, This is your show. This is your podcast. These are your issues. You're the grassroots that feed it, and you are the voice because you know if you're not at the table, you're on the menu.